Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why? Well, why not? And today's what is going to be a delightful forum in the never-ending parade of forums. We add another, and the name of this week's forum is Arachnoboards. Dot com and arachnoboards.com site and it is a site for people who are fans of and admirers of spiders and things in the spider family uh, including such things as scorpions and then not spiders like centipedes and millipedes and things like that not a hobby of mine you can certainly have spiders if you so choose to do so, but uh, it has been an interesting thing to learn about. Not that I'm grossed out by spiders. I've been known to save many spiders when found in the house. However, I, I kind of draw a line when it comes to the more gross <laughs> pugs like the centipedes and the millipedes. You know, scorpions, even scorpions I get. People like to have little dangerous bugs. But then again, I didn't know the dangers of the scorpions. I mean, of the, uh, I didn't know, the re I didn't realize there was such danger to be had in centipedes, since my only experience with centipedes has been dealing with them as they cause my wife to shriek that I crush them. And so, sadly for them, I do. But then again, they were more of a problem when we lived in Wisconsin than they are here, because we have roaches. So, roaches are, roaches are way cooler. <laughs> Anyway, so this forum is about spiders and things like that. A lot of these people are using the technical names of the spiders, so some of the things, if I use Latin terms for anything, it's not because I'm really into my uh, phylum classifications and my genomes and my stratas of that variety, but uh, rather because that's what they're doing. And they use a lot of shorthand, like T's for tarantulas and you know things of that manner. But when I say Avicularia metallica or metallic pink toe, you're just going to have to go look it up yourself because <laughs> I already started looking some of these things up and each one of them I've been like, oh, okay, so it's a scorpion or it's a tarantula. And apparently can be beautiful things with metallic pink toes. Let me see. Is that really a tarantula? Yep, it's a tarantula. So there you go. I looked it up on uh, WikiPets. It is a apparently a tarantula with pink toe. Anyway, moving on. Nope, not a pet for me. Thank you. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, anyhow, we are going to jump right into this forum, the Arachnoboards Forum. And we'll start with just getting to know some of the members of the Arachnoboards. And they have a thread in the Arachnoboards subforum, Arachnoboards Information subforum, Welcome to Arachnoboards thread. And that thread has the first post that goes like this. And it is by Arachnoboards, which is a, a uh, just, I guess, a blanket administrator. And it goes like this. Introduce yourself. Hey, all. Welcome to Arachnoboards. Please take a moment to introduce yourself. Let us know who you are and what you bring here. Feel free to post a picture of yourself here. There's a link. This thread is for personal introductions only. Please let us know what inverts you have here. Hope you enjoy your stay, the Arachnoboards team. And the very first reply is by Jay Tablard, who writes, Wow, I guess I'll pop this thread open. My name's John, um, long-time listener, first-time caller, 22, live outside of Baltimore. Shh, don't tell the mods that I'm talking about this here, but I don't know what else to say except I love my Telecaster. I have a rosy and a wild-caught brown recluse. Now, that is a, uh, the brown recluse is one of the most dangerous spiders, I think, to, uh, to come in contact with. So, obviously, something you'd want to have in your house. And the next reply is by Varden, who writes, Hi, all. I am not only new to this board... I am new to tarantulas. I'm just looking into owning my first one, and I'm still in the mode of gathering information on the proper care and feeding of. I know eventually I'll want a Seriopagiopus SP, quote-unquote blue, brackets Singapore blue, but since the literature suggests that this is not a first-timer spider, and intend to work my way up to having one. So far, I have the housing and supplies for an arboreal tarantula and have been looking into the Avicularia metallica, brackets metallic pink toe, or the Chromatopelma cyanopubensis, or brackets green bottle blue. Any advice would be greatly appreciated, but I think if I poke around this site long enough, I'll probably pick up some great tarantula care tips to help me make my choice. Thanks, Marin. Now, of course, this is a f classic uh, faux pas in forums, this is just an introduce yourself thread. 
you want to go to the Tarantula subforum to ask for any suggestions. This is an introduce yourself. There is a huge faux pas, but this post was made, you know, six years ago, so we're just going to let it go. I'm assuming this gentleman has already gone through several tarantulas by now if he was not um, killed and eaten by a gigantic one. So, moving on. And Beaker writes, Hey, what's up, guys? I'm new to this board and have been reading lots of great information. I'm 20 and live in Ohio. Frowny face emoticon. LOL. Well, I guess it isn't that bad. I got my Frist 2 T's a week ago. A green bottle blue one inch and cobalt blue half inch. I know the cobalt has our no for bad attitudes, but I just plan on looking at them in their glory. Okay. This has been a helpful site, and I plan to come here with further questions that I may have about my new acquaintances. Peace, Kyle. Now, I hope that he means that he is going to be asking about tarantulas and not just anybody he meets. Like, I just met a person on the street. Should I be friends with them? Anyway, <laughs> all right. And Stubby Eighth writes, My name is Tom. I've kept T's now since 93. Now, of course, T stands for tarantulas and not trannies. Different form altogether, if, it, if that's what he meant. I live just east of Dallas in the small but sprawling town of Rockwall. I'm married, 37 years old, and together my five-year-old Garrett, we have a collection of happy tarantulas, if you know what I mean. We like to sit down and handle ours. I love my arachno-challenged wife, collecting antiques, politics, and doing guy stuff with my son. And yes, I'm an arachnoholic. Is that how you spell holic? He wrote holic as if like, like hydraulic, but whatever. And Ishkabibble writes, My name is Ish. I live in northern Indiana, just this side of hell. I'm three days older than dirt. I have teas, snakes, amphibs, and rats, and some kids. However, they resemble the postman for some reason. And I'm currently collecting OWs primarily. I don't know what OWs are. And Winchester writes, Hi, my name is Mark. Crowd answers, Hi, Mark. I'm addicted to tarantulas. It has been a few weeks since I last purchased a tarantula. However, I keep thinking about them. It's a daily struggle. Seriously, though, I have been keeping teas for many years now. I'm 40, the father of three great kids, divorced, and an avid sailor. I have been racing sailboats on Lake Michigan for over 20 years. One of the things I enjoy about keeping tarantulas is studying and learning about them. It is a great diversion from the mundane aspects of everyday life. And Pika Bree 33 writes, Frowny face, hello everyone. I'm Bree, and I own a curly-haired tarantula. He's my best little buddy. The reason I signed up to this website was to get some help with him. He molted last night and he appears to have broken his leg in the process. So I just came to see if anyone can help us. I would be heartbroken if he didn't make it. Frowny face. So, again, the introductions forum is not the place to ask for help with your broken leg tarantula. They shoot horses, don't they? And Voodoo Funeral writes, Hi, I'm Brenna, and I enjoy poking dead things with a stick, pointing out ugly babies, and being the best little neighbor from hell that I can be. Joking or not aside, I turn 30 Monday. Bug-eyed emoticon. I live in the quote-unquote south, not on purpose, smiley-faced emoticon, or grin emoticon, with my recent husband, longtime friend, with our menagerie of creatures including cats, dogs, Siamese fighting fish, not for fighting, a snake, and five tarantulas so far. I sell stuff on eBay sometimes and love to write. Yup, I can do both and paint for fun. Landscaping, gardening, and planting trees is much fun too. I'm a Gemini with Scorpio rising, which I think translates into quote-unquote, manic depressive with ADD. My hobbies include the move the letters around and change the phrase on that sign to something funnier game. That's it for now. Always wash behind your ears and don't forget to recycle. Take care, smiley face emoticon. Oh my God, okay. And Schlein writes, first off, I'm a chick. Apparently the name throws everybody off. I'm 25 and an electrical engineer. I have around 30 tarantulas at this time. Expect the number to go up. I also have a bunch of snakes, mostly pythons, one cat, and scorpions. If you want the exact listing, go digging in the What I Keep threads. I bred crested geckos for a short time, but decided to get out of keeping lizards. I will be breeding ball pythons as soon as my guys grow up. And then and then this was edited three months later to say, Not on this website anymore. Find me on Facebook if you need to get a hold of me. Which is, uh, I guess things didn't work out here. And Nightbreed writes, 
Hi, my name's Jamie. I'm 30, married with two kids, third due any minute. My wife is overdue and contracting as I type. Waiting till they get five minutes apart, then we're going to call an ambulance. Wish us luck. I have 17 T's at the Mo and getting Mo and getting more next week. Why didn't he say Mo? Why didn't he say getting Mo next week? Uh, anyway, I wanted to say Mo for him, but got to stay true. And Blue Thunder writes, I am a newbie to this board, but not to my favorite critters. I have always been fascinated by spiders, herps, bugs, etc. I live just outside of Los Angeles, California. My current stock is one blue tongue skink and my quote unquote prize, an adult tea blondie. She is a real killer and chows on mice like they were gumdrops. I got this beauty from a garbage man for BFI. Believe it or not, he found it in a dumpster about a year ago. It had been there at least several weeks, still living in the broken terrarium that was its home. It has had two molts since then and is about eight inches. I paid the garbage man 10 bucks for it. She is very healthy now and impressive. Look for me to post a pic of it in the future. And Blue Thunder refers to the spider as a she in one sentence and then it in another. Dehumanizing. Detarantulizing. I could go on. This is this thread has over 100 pages of introductions. Yeah. So we'll, we'll skip to a more recent one. Oh, my God. 200 pages. Holy shit. There's a lot of bug lovers out there. Fucking freaks. <laughs> and to jump to the last thread or the last page of introductions, I'll read this one by T.O.D. Yeah, by T.O.D. And it goes like this. Hi, I'm T.O.D. I'm from the Philippines and I'm an addict. I came here to ask for advice. How do I stop the urge of buying teas? Just kidding. I don't have an addiction, but my wife thinks otherwise. Smiley face emoticon. It has been 16 months since I bought my first tea. A bee oratum. I now have 18 species and all of them are either slings or juvies whatever those mean. Every time the owner of our local pet shop sends a text message of new arrivals, I just can't stop thinking how beautiful the new species are and how they are different from what I have and how the new ones will enhance my collection. I've just got to have them. Anyway, I'm just saying hello. I've been lurking around for the past 16 months or so. Just decided to register and say hi to all the nice people in this hobby. Hope everyone is having a good day. And moving on. Moving on. And moving out of that thread. The next thread we'll read is in the Arachnoboard subforum Other Arachnopets, subforum Myriapods, in a thread entitled Found This Centipede, It's Injured by Obi Juan, which is like uh like Juan, the Mexican Juan. Obi Juan fifty six. And it goes like this. Hello all. I found this fairly large centipede outside while I was sweeping, and unfortunately I didn't see it, and I think I may have injured it while I was sweeping. That, or it looks like it is a really bad case of dehydration. I really have no idea since I've never owned one or researched one, but that is just what it looks like from owning teas. So any help on maybe a way I can get it back to health and then release it back to the wild would be awesome. Also, if anyone has any clues what species it would be, that would be cool too. I am located in San Diego, California, Southern California. And it is a picture of a giant centipede. And it is gross. Sorry to go make a judgment there. And Androcnus Bick writes, Hey, it looks like a Scolopendra polymorpha to me with a very atypical coloration. Nice found. It needs dry environment. Take a look at this site written by a member of this forum. And there's a web link there about this kind of bug. And Obi Juan 56 writes, all right, I'll put it in some dry substrate, but so far it does not look like it's doing that great. It's like its legs are twitching and then every once in a while it moves around. Looks like it's really sick. And Zerg front writes, be careful handling it. Looks soft and freshly molted. And Venom 81 writes, I knew it. I found a six inch body length. And when I went back to the same spot and found a three inch one, I know polymorpha means different color forms or something like that. But I also have adult size S polymorpha who compared it and saw those close up pictures of their terminal antenna segments. But I just can't seem to convince that the SP is a polymorpha. Well, okay, that didn't make any sense to me at all. I felt like I was speaking nonsense. And Obi Juan 56 writes, I know it looks cool and all, but does anyone have any tips to help me keep it alive? Seems pretty injured or sick. It can move, but not very effectively. It seems to not have very good control over its legs, ATM, either. They seem to be kind of twitching or maybe struggling to move them. IDK. I feel really bad for it, even though it creeps me out and would like to see it live through this. And Venom81 replies, IDK, did you try putting it in ICU like a tarantula? How bad did you think you whacked it? With the broom? 
I had one die on me because of mites. Does it have mites or something? Maybe it was exposed to some kind of pesticides. Before the broom accident. And Zan Bonzovi writes, Venom 81. We are missing one taxonomic character to conclusively separate as Tecorum from Polymorpha. Any chance you can get detailed macro shots? If not, would you be interested in loaning one out or collecting one for proper identification by someone like Dr. Roland Shelley? This mystery has an easy solution. PM me if you'd like. I'd be happy to help. And that seems like a strange out-of-left-field offer. Anyway. Wait, is the... No, yeah. I don't even know why this guy's talking about finding the six-inch body length. Because he is not the same person from the original OP. So, whatever. <laughs> I'm not even... Mm, I'm a detective! And leaving that thread, we move on to a new thread in the other Arachnopets subforum, Myriapod subforum, in a thread entitled Giant African Millipedes by Sandeku. And it goes like this. I got a lot of questions about these. I think I found one of my favorite insects. First and most importantly, all of my questions. One, are African millipedes legal in the state of New Jersey to own? I just want to make sure. Two, what are the tank size requirements? How active can they be? It helps deciding on tank size. Three, what should be the staple diet? What can be a treat? Four, where would I be able to find one for sale? Five, how long will it take to reach adult size? If I buy a young one, how can I improve its growth? How big it gets, I mean. Six, what are the requirements for them? Seven, lifespan? Some say four to five years, others say more than that. What are the dangers of owning one? Can they be dangerous at all? And Kill writes, One thing I can answer is the dangerous part. Millipedes are dangerous to handle as, as each of their legs contain venom glands that can cause mild to severe nausea as well as intense chest pain. They do not bite, but can be very defensive. Do not handle millipedes. And then Wicked writes, I don't know where Kill got their information, but millipedes are not dangerous to handle. And Sendeku writes, Maybe he's trolling. I don't think they're too dangerous, but I want to be cautious and make sure. As far as moving the thread, I didn't even realize there was a myriapod forum. LOL. Well, I'll just make a new one there and kill this one. And Nat writes, in response to kill, What are you talking about? And where did you get this info? I currently have four species of millipede, including AGBs, and have previously had four or five other species. The worst I've ever had from handling any of them is pink and orange stained fingers that smelled funny for a day. Never wanted to puke or had pains in my chest or any other part from them. Oh yeah, I would love to have one of these venomous species you speak of. Quite the rare one indeed. And Firefly writes, African giants, or more specifically, Archispirostreptus gigas, is the largest millipede alive today. Currently, it is difficult to find for sale in the U.S. because a few years ago, our government banned the import of these due to them harboring a mite that was harmful to our native cotton crops or something like that. I may be a little off on the reason there. So, right now, the only A gigas you will find available are ones that have been captive bred in the U.S. Some answers, and this goes back to his original key of questions. One, as far as I know, yes. Hopefully someone who lives in the area can give you a definite answer. Two, floor space is more important than depth of the substrate. With millipedes, you want to give them a home that's at least twice as long as the length of your peed. As babies, almost anything will work, but A gigas can reach up to 11 plus inches full grown, so you'll want a larger tank for adults. If you get babies, don't fret over getting a large tank now. They take a couple of years to mature. Activity is babies, they hide most of the time and come out in the dark of night to feed. They are light sensitive. As they grow, they stay out more. My A gigas currently about 5 inches in length, and I have seen them out in the middle of the day snacking. Diet. A gigas required hardwood leaf litter in their diet, such as leaves and bark from oak trees, as well as fruits and veggies. Cucumbers are a big favorite, but are best used as a snack due to having less nutritional value compared to other foods. Different millipede species have different requirements, but almost all of them need some calcium and protein in their diets, which isn't hard to manage once you know how. Four, keep your eyes open. Like mentioned above, they're not readily available now. There are quite a few people working on some breeding projects right now, but it'll take a couple of years before we see a significant change in the availability of these. A few big suppliers, Tarantula Inc. and Ken the Bug Guy, have them for sale sometimes, as well as the casual hobbyist. Five, my slightly educated guess is that two to three years from baby to full-grown adult, providing your peed with ample and proper nutrition will help it grow to its full potential. Six, requirements, be serious and responsible in the care of your peeds, just like owning any pet. They are fine for 
beginners. Just do your homework. Seven, I believe closer to seven to nine years with proper care. I may be a bit off there. As far as danger and risks, there isn't much. Millipedes have two defense maneuvers. First, they curl up into a ball. No harm there. Second, they secrete a substance that can be irritating and is sometimes slightly toxic depending on the species. It is recommended to always wash your hands before and after handling a peed just to be safe. If you are gentle with them, you may never see them secrete. I sure haven't with mine, and even if they do, it may not bother you at all. Every person is different. Generally, millipedes are much safer to handle than centipedes and tarantulas. Not everyone thinks millipedes are great, but if you're considering getting one, or five, go for it! And Sandeku writes again, Will it get lonely if I only get one? Some animals are communal. Maybe I could attempt at getting two. I like the idea of babies, but I think I should start with at least a slightly larger peed. Maybe I'll go for a peed already at five inches. Okay, this is good advice. Thanks! And Dawn W. writes, I have a group of six, and just to add that I've never had any problems handling mine. They are brilliant things. As soon as I received mine in the mail, I was so utterly in love. Mine love cucumber and banana, as well as the usual leaf litter slash wood. They're quite partial to courgette. Is that zucchini there as well? The biggest of my six is maybe four to five inches, smallest maybe three inches. I keep them in an underbed storage box with air holes just now, and will probably keep them in this kind of thing forever, as it's far cheaper for adequate floor space compared to glass tanks. Like this, and she includes a delightful picture of a Rubbermaid box. And she writes, I don't think they need company. I've known a lot of people keeping a single one, but I always prefer to keep groups where possible. And Firefly writes, I don't think that millipedes have the ability to be lonely. They just do fine in communal setups, even with other species of millipedes and isopods, but they do not crave and need interaction like a dog. Nor are they dependent on social organization like an ant. But if you're going to get one, you might as well go ahead and get two or five. Grin, Nikomoticon. You know, since you're paying for shipping anyway. LOL. And Zan Bonzovi writes, Kill, don't put them in your mouth or let them crawl on your eyes or in your orifices. Wash your hands after handling. You'll be fine. Interesting about the cougarettes. Ever use dehydrated veggies as food? And Don W. replies, I haven't. I've not had mine a huge amount of time, but so far I've tried on them cucumber, Corgette, apple, marrow, banana, sweet potato, carrot, and mushroom. The only thing that had noticeably been eaten were the sweet potato, banana, cucumber, and corgette. Apple, marrow, and carrot, a little bit. Mushrooms, not at all. But isn't that interesting? The millipedes don't like mushrooms. Well, you learn something every day. A day without learning is a day just without the learning. And in the next thread, we go to the tarantulas subforum, tarantula chat subforum in a thread by K2Power entitled Cooling Fast Feisties in Refrigerator to Transfer to Different Cages. And it goes like this. I just cooled my new crazy OBT in the fridge for about 10 to 15 minutes today to enable me to get it from one temp cage to its permanent one easily without risking escapes or bites. It definitely slowed down and enabled an easy transfer. After about three hours or so, it seems back to normal and is on its second small cricket since cool down and presently sitting on the side of the cage. I am pleased with this technique as a way of dealing with super fast bitey tarantulas. I had seen other references online about doing this and decided to give it a try. Its previous cage had a narrower opening at the top and widened toward the bottom, making maneuvering tough and removal tougher. I didn't want to risk a $500 ER visit for a 20 buck spider. It seemed to have worked very well at this point with no visible problems. What have others experienced when doing this? I know some people have tried it. Some species might not be as tough as P. murinus, so I bet it doesn't apply to all across the board. I read about an exotic pet vet that does this to give about two to three minutes of time to work on a feisty tarantula before it warms back up. And Grom Grom writes, Yeah, I've only done it with my OBTs. I still almost had a heart attack just because. And Rose T. writes, I don't do it simply because it puts my tea at risk, even though some will swear against it. But to each their own, I simply use the bag method. I find it faster and safer, and IMO is less stress on my tea. And Burmish 101 writes, I do not think you would need a hospital visit with an OBT bite. And Mez writes, Honestly, if you're not comfortable rehousing or maintaining a tea, you shouldn't buy it. And Bill S. writes, Agreed. If something happens that needs immediate response, such as an escape, and you can't deal with it unless the tarantula runs into the refrigerator, you've got a problem. It may be that you just need a little more experience with the animals to acquire the confidence you need. But until you have the confidence, stay with animals you can cope with. Or take your OBT to a into a safe room, such as a bathroom, with a crack under the door sealed with a towel, and let it loose. Recapture it with standard equipment, such as deli cups, and you'll either realize you can deal with the animal, or you'll learn that you can't. 
and K to power rights, I will not argue that I haven't a lot of experience with fast and feisty tarantula species. I do have plenty of experience with more docile species, scorpions, aggressive snakes, and so I'm not totally a newbie. I was unprepared for its speed and did not have the most suitable cage for it either. Now I have a much better setup. I am sure everyone out there has gotten a spider that they were totally not comfortable around and were surprised by its agility and temperament. This is how experience is obtained and lessons are learned. There is a learning curve involved. I do not doubt I can take care of it properly. I just have to learn the best method of safely performing cage maintenance. My first lesson was not to do cage changing or rearranging decor at night. This may be fine for other species, but apparently not this one. It is a learning process and a mixture of observation and adaptation in addition to getting new ideas from other keepers and protect ya neck there's four a's and ya uh writes i do not feel comfortable with putting teas into the refrigerator so i just got used to their speed plain and simple <sighs> and bill s writes again arthropods in general have a highly variable reaction to refrigeration my wife does a lot of photography of wild caught arthropods and on some, she has used refrigeration to slow them down a bit. And in doing so, she discovered that some can be left overnight in the refrigerator and will still, quote-unquote, launch the moment they are brought out. Others will die with even the slightest chill. The rest are in a broad, unpredictable range in between. In her case, many of the insects or arachnids will end up being preserved anyway, so she can take a chance with the refrigerator. But for animals that are going to be raised in captivity, not a good idea. One of the problems with doing this with tarantulas is that different species will react differently or have different cold tolerances. Some may surprise you by being just as quick after you chill them down. And those that are not cold tolerant may not show the damage right away. They might appear to recover, but eventually fade out due to an infection or something. So basically, he said twice in one uh, post that the different spiders react differently. He just put it two different ways. That's Bill S. for you. He's been on this board since 2006. Anyway, and moving on, we're going to move to the more interesting and salacious part of this forum, which is the bite board. And the bite board has all kinds of crazy stuff about being bitten by bugs. And the first thread we'll read in the Arachnoboard subforum reports, subforum bite reports, is by Mr. Deranged in a thread entitled... Scolopendra subspinnies, subspinnipins, spins, wait, subspinnipins, sub, sub, spin, spinnipes, spinnipes, spinnips, Scolopendra subspinnips. I know that uh, some spider freak is going to correct me on that. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, is it a spider? I looked this up already. It is a centipede. Okay. And so, anyway, it is a, it is a centipede. <laughs> and it goes, and, and the post goes like this. This bite report is actually from Billy Norton. I am posting it here with his permission. I acquired this magnificent giant centipede from Darren Vernier at the AS conference in Carlsbad. It is the same centipede that Darren handled during his demonstration. I confidently bragged to Darren that I would handle the centipede as soon as I got it home. This was certainly not the case. I actually found the big centipede almost 10 inches quite intimidating. I did, however, handle my Scolopendra Harrow's desert centipede without any problems, as I was much calmer with it due to its smaller size and the fact that its bite is reputed to be less severe. I decided in order to handle the big subspines, subspinnies, subspins, subs, subspinpis, subspinpis, all right, whatever. The big centipede. <laughs> that I must achieve a state of calm while attempting to handle it. I started by gently stroking it with my fingers every day. I followed this routine every day. Which is what every day means in the previous sentence. On the evening of August 3rd, I found the big peed lying in its water dish. I gently slipped my fingers under it and lifted it out of its enclosure. I transferred it from hand to hand a few times and replaced it in its cage. What a rush! Wow! I am now an expert centipede wrangler but I must have a picture of this milestone achievement. On the evening of August 4th, my daughter-in-law is over with, with her digital camera to film this newly acquired talent. We took the peed into the bedroom, so if I should drop it, it would fall onto the bed and can be scooped up. The lights were brighter in the bedroom than it was used to, and it seemed a little upset. But hey, I'm the great peed handler, and I can work around this. I reach in to get it, and it runs for its burrow. I block its path. This happens twice. On the third attempt, it gets partway into its burrow. I gently pull it out when, wham! It spins around and nails me in the middle finger of my left hand. At 58 years of age, I thought I had experienced pain. Wrong. I have never experienced such pain. This was at 9 p.m. At 9.30, I was in the emergency room. 
At 11 p.m., I was given a shot of morphine, which did next to nothing for the pain. I was given a shot for tetanus, a prescription for antibiotics, and Percocet. I was to take two Percocet every four hours as needed. Two hours later, I had taken all four of the Percocets they had given me until I could get the prescription filled the next day. There was no relief until about 5.30 a.m. on August 5th. The pain was beginning to subside, and by 7.30 was gone. On the 6th, there was still quite a bit of swelling, but no pain. I did, however, get a reaction to the antibiotics, which was exciting. Looking back, I realized that in my haste and overconfidence, I did everything wrong. My advice to anyone wanting to handle this creature is don't. But if you must, stay focused, remain calm, move slowly, and don't pull it out of its burrow. Will I handle it again? My wife is typing this, so I plead the fifth. And in all caps, no, he will not. Wife speaking here. Fangs, Billy Norton. Uh, and Dead Man Walking replies. For the record, I would like to say that this was by far the most painful experience I have ever encountered. It started about three years ago when working at a local pet shop. A customer asked to see one of the centipedes and me being as stupid as I am, offered to hold it. It was a mature female Vietnamese red-legged centipede, about nine inches. I placed the centipede on my hand carefully, making being sure not to drop it. I was using the hand-over-hand method, keeping the specimen under control when it started to crawl up my arm. Knowing that if I blocked it or grabbed the centipede, I would probably be bitten, I figured eventually it would start back down. Unfortunately, this was not the case, and before I knew it, it had crawled under my shirt. I actually had another shirt under my work uniform that day, and this caused the centipede to squeeze right up against my arm. Feeling threatened, the centipede sunk its large fangs right into my fleshy tricep, back of the arm. Immediately, a bolt of pain shot through my arm. I received two more bites before I took off my shirt and retrieved the agitated animal. Upon inspecting my wounds, I had received seven large puncture wounds. On three occasions, she got me with both of her fans and caught me with one of them. I assured the customer that I was fine and put my shirt back on. I had another four hours on my shift to finish. At this point, I only had swelling, redness at the sites of the puncture, and the most unbearable pain I had ever felt. I can honestly say it felt like my arm was on fire. I decided to finish my shift, even after repeated warnings to get to the hospital. On the bus ride home, I experienced some nausea and decided to get to the hospital to get some treatment. They eventually gave me some time in all threes to cope with the pain. But needless to say, the pain lasted a good 17 to 19 hours before it subsided. It was apparent damage had been done because there were signs of necrosis, tissue damage, and the back of the arm was hard and swollen. I highly don't recommend being bitten unless you have a high threshold for pain. And Woody writes, let me tell you about the most extreme pain I have ever experienced. On Wednesday, May 7th, I was bitten by my Scolopendra subspinies at around 3 p.m. This specimen is 8 inches in length. I was cleaning out its cage when it came out of hiding and crawled really quickly onto my hand. Afraid of startling or injuring the centipede, I decided to not make any quick movements and to let it crawl off my hand on its own. It started moving away, but quickly doubled back and struck me on the middle finger. At first, it felt just like a bee sting. I looked at the finger and saw two punctures and very little blood was coming out of the holes. I quickly washed my hands with warm water and sat down. After 15 minutes, the finger started swelling considerably and turned red. This is when the pain really started, and I decided I must go to the hospital. By the time I had gotten to the ER, an hour had passed, and the pain was really bad. It literally felt like my hand was on fire. I registered and sat down in the waiting room. At 4.30 p.m., an hour and a half after the bite, the pain had really increased, and my hand and wrist and forearm had swelled up. At 5 o'clock, I was still waiting in the waiting room, and the worst thing happened. I had been feeling fine, other than my arm being on fire, when all of a sudden I felt nauseous and very dizzy. I began sweating profusely, and my ears were ringing, and my eyesight went black. My face lost all color, my lips went gray, and my eyes began rolling back into my head. I nearly passed out. The only thing that kept me from passing out was an ice pack that the nurse put on the back of my neck. They laid me on a bed, and I began to feel better. To treat the swelling and pain, I was given Benadryl through IV and was given two Percocet pills. After tests and calls to poison control, I was released from the hospital after being there for four hours. The following morning, my hand was still swollen a lot, but the pain had gone away considerably. There was very mild pain. Here we are, 34 hours later, and my hand is still very swollen, but I feel no pain. All joints in my fingers are stiff, along with the wrist. This is by far the most extreme pain I've ever felt. I highly recommend that you use extreme caution if you ever plan on putting your hands near these bad boys. They are no joke and should not be underestimated. And Comatose writes, About four years ago, I took a nasty bite from a 6-7 to seven inch subspinis. Subspinips. 
whatever. I was pawing through her tank, picked up a rock, and was bitten before I realized that she was under that particular rock. Upon feeling the nasty pinching slash burning sensation, I ripped my hand from the tank only to see the centipede still attached to my middle finger. Long story short, the ensuing 24 hours were the most painful this side of breaking my arm in three places. I still had a bump at the site over a year afterwards. Last week, I was bitten by a black widow, and I'd choose the black widow hands down over an S subspinnies. Suspinips. Subspinips, whatever. And Python writes, I was bitten by one of these two days ago, about an eight inch female. I opened up the cup to remove some wadding that came in it from shipping, and it immediately reached out, found my hand, and decided to take a stroll up my arm. It wandered around my body from waist to head for a couple of minutes while I tried in vain to get it to walk back into the tub it arrived in. Then she found the gap between my chest and my shirt, and this is when it got interested. She crawled straight down my shirt and started going around to my back. Scorp demon. <laughs> Scorp Demon, his girlfriend, my girlfriend, and all my co-workers were laughing at the predicament I was in until I uttered the words, It bit me. Seconds after it bit me and fell out on the floor where it was scooped back up into its container. We all looked at the bite site and found there were several holes and a large swollen area that was turning into a bruise already. There wasn't much pain associated with it, but there were some tense moments as I realized that these are potentially dangerous. I was lucky this time, and I plan to be much more careful next time I have to open anything at my house. And Wolvie56x writes, Yeah, I seem to have bad luck with the babies. But so far, a baby tarantulas, baby peed, and now a baby scorp got me all in one month. While never being stung or bitten by anything else till now. Good track record, eh? Hee hee. Two-inch peedling was removing the peedling from the mother's tank while removing the babies. I tried grabbing one with my fingers. Well, the little bugger turned around and sunk its fang right into the top of my left index finger, sending a nice amount of venom by the tingling sensation I started feeling after. Tingling, slight pain for a few hours. The tingling went away after about two hours. Pain went away after about 30 minutes. Can't imagine the mother getting a hold of me. Bugged out eyes emoticon. And Beetleman writes... Well, I can tell you how it feels getting bit by a large Hong Kong giant, eight inches. I have 19 centipedes, all kinds. I was feeding slash watering, and they all pretty much go underground when I open their containers, but not this one. She bit me so fast, I didn't even have time to move back, like lightning. It was only a second bite. In that second, whatever, quote-unquote, little vitamin she injected, well, it was the worst pain. It was the worst! pain I have ever felt. It didn't start to hurt right away, but within about 10 minutes, that was it. I thought I could write it out. Yeah, right. I've been bit by a smaller SSP, but this no way. My hand blew up like a catcher's mitt. The pain kept getting worse and worse, and it was traveling up my arm. Had to go to the hospital. They had no idea what a centipede was. I had to tell them about it while I was suffering. They went on their comp and looked it up. They gave me all kinds of meds, and I finally started to feel better after dying for about 10 hours. Lots of ice, of course. Should have went to the hospital as soon as I got bit. Now, when I go to feed, I watch her very carefully. She still rushes the container. So give these guys respect. They are really dangerous but I still love them. I think that'll be enough for that bite report. There's a lot of people being bit by them things. These people like to get bit by they things. By they spiders. I have no idea what any of these things are. Everything here is listed by its, its uh, Latin name, so it means nothing to me. Well, some of these are very short, so I'll read this one. And in this very brief bite report, in the bite report subform, Pac 2010 writes... In a thread entitled Avicularia Laeta. And it goes like this. Size of the spider, 4 centimeters to 5 centimeters. How the bite occurred. I was taking out an eaten cricket and she ran up the tweezers and onto my finger. She bit three times. I watched her do it once, then thought to just carry on and get her back. The fact she was biting me and I saw the fangs go in and out did not bother me in the slightest. My main concern was her and getting her back into her home. What kind of, what type of physical damage was caused? A few little holes, nothing special. What symptoms you experienced? Mild stinging, pins and needles on the tips of my fingers, numbness around the center of my hand. What medical attention you received, if any? None. Any lingering effects from the bite? A bit tender at the bite site, but nothing to worry about. Although tender, I can bite it myself and not feel any issues, pain, etc. Good that you can bite it yourself. I don't know why <laughs> you would want to do that. All right. And, um... In the next bite report, Chasset writes in a thread he entitled, Aphonopelma simani, and it goes like this. I got bit by a Aphonopelma simani a couple of times. 
both dry, both really did not pierce the skin. The first time it happened, I was holding her, and a roommate walked into my room and screamed. The spider started to bite down. Fortunately, she directly over her cage, so I quickly put her down, and she ran into her little rock hut thingy. The second time, I had just come back from a bit of a vacation. I left her at my parents' house to spider sit. When I came back, I moved her into temporary enclosure to clean out her normal aquarium. I guess she was grumpy about being disturbed after a couple of weeks of me not being around, and she started to bite me. It's weird when she starts to bite. You can feel her fangs slowly start to press into the skin. She gives me enough time to put her down. Interesting spider. And that guy writes, I was bit by my juve a simani today. I'm pretty sure it was a dry bite, but it hurt like a MF. It was... <laughs> It was like getting stung by a bee, in my mind. It's just about two inches. I didn't feel anything odd except the fangs, like a venom effect. It's still swollen. I didn't have treatment. Just some anti-germ stuff and a band-aid on it. And Southern Style writes, And it had to happen to me as well. After an escape from a custom-built enclosure, remember to always close the lids with something heavy at least. I found my female AC Mani out cruising by my front door. Actually, my dog found her, barking at something moving, and I couldn't figure out what it was. He did not get bit, though. And I went to go snag her from the side of the old computer that's been sitting there there for a while, but I noticed she had run up my right arm and back down the palm of my hand. Then she came back over the top and I felt it. Like a hot needle, she had hit me right up above my right pinky finger. It kind of made my arm go numb a bit, but other than that, I don't feel much of anything. Still, hate getting bit either way. And Fretman08 writes, I finally got bit. But the funny thing is that it was by a Costa Rican zebra, LOL. Out of everything I've messed with, this is the one that gets me. Just a little localized swelling and pain from my hand to the elbow. But other than that, not too bad. Yes, oh, he's, I'm all right with it. I'm all right with getting bit. I don't know enough about these stupid spiders to know. And finally, I'll read this last bite report by Grippy in a thready entitled Widow. And it goes like this. Dave is an acquaintance of mine when I was in aviation. He told me about a black willow, El Hesperus, bite he received a few years ago at a job site in Arizona. At the time, Dave was 5'8", 180 pounds, and in good health. Dave is a no BS person and is true to his word. And the way he told the story is kind of funny. Dave is a home builder, owner of the company, and was working on site in Arizona. He had to take a potty break, and he went into the porta potty on the site. As he sat there, he contemplated the day's events, thinking about all the money he was raking in on the homes he was building on top of those tees, probably not thinking about the tees. Dave felt a little, well, for lack of better word, pinch. He looked down, only to see a spider attached to his you-know-what. The sight of the spider made him finish his business with the propulsion of an F-16 fighter jet. He swiped the spider off and vacated the gaseous place of comfort. I'm not sure what that means. Other than thinking the event was a little creepy, he didn't think much of it. Returning to the job, Dave told his brother of the event laughingly. His brother advised him to seek medical help because it might be a widow spider, but Dave continued to work. After about seven minutes, Dave began to feel feverish as if coming down with the flu. He started getting sweats and abdominal, cr and abdominal cramping. The pain was becoming unbearable. His brother put him in a truck and drove him to the hospital. By the time Dave got to the hospital, he was experiencing violent cramps down his back and chest and eventually went into a coma lasting three days. He was most likely given calcium gluconate in the hospital and released after a week. He was bitten in a very venous place. And Dave said that for an entire year, his love function did not work. Dave is not an animal person. He wouldn't know a black widow from a cow. I just thought I'd share his story. And Malkara writes, They are everywhere where I live. I've been bitten four times that I'm sure of and a fifth that had similar symptoms. Black slash brown slash red widows are all over the place here. In the summer, they get in my house and love making nests in your shoes. Since my parents don't spray ever and we have the doors and windows open during the cooler months, bugs just walk in and make themselves at home. Symptoms are intense body pains like you get with a bad flu, only much worse. Muscles and joints stiffen up, bit areas constantly burns and stings as your tissue in the general area dies. The bite also fills up with flu fluid, which you have to constantly keep drained. My first two times I went to the hospital, but got the same treatment from the doc. Nothing. They will tell you that you can only get Black Widow anti-venine once in your life, so you should only use your one opportunity if you're in danger of dying. Other than that, they may or may not want to keep you there. I chose to go home to go to my family doc and let my mother, who was a nurse, take care of it. By the way, the symptoms can last up to 60 hours depending on where you've been bitten. Eye on extremities. Longer if on the torso, since it's closer to your heart. And then in green, it says moderator's comment. This report is potentially garbage and not a very good bite. Notice the singular report, but I'm not going to delete it outright since it presents an opportunity for some factual information. First, without the poster stating their geographic location, I question the statement about black, brown, and red widows being present. Since there's only a small chunk of North America, possibly in western Mississippi to eastern Texas, maybe where it could happen. But probably not because of what ecologists call niche theory. 
Even if all three exist in their general location, it's highly unlikely that more than one will live in the immediate vicinities of their home. Second, they will not make a nest in a shoe unless that shoe is sitting under a shelf edge near a wall in a cool, moist basement or garage and hasn't been touched in several weeks. Then maybe. This is not to say that widows won't ever enter a shoe seeking a short-term shelter, but things like this generally happen outdoors and probably because you were camping and disturbed their shrubberies where the cobwebs were and displaced spiders opted for your moist boots as a place to hide out from the strange, large creatures disturbing their environment. At any rate, other than basements and garages, human dwellings make terrible widow territories. If you really dislike them, fill your basements and garages with common and heartless to Dota genre cobweavers. Same family, same ecological niche, much better at surviving in human homes and will, as a result, keep any possible witty species from establishing themselves. Unless you've done a lot of eradication, the Stedota are probably already there anyhow. I know my garage and basement are full of them. As an aside, they also do a fantastic job of eating any ground spiders that make their way inside your house. My basement is constant class warfare. Third, spraying does next to nothing to control spiders, so don't blame your parents for any widow invasions that may or may not be happening. Fourth, unless you have an allergic reaction to the antibodies the first time, there is no reason you can't receive anti-venin again and again and again. If doctors really did make this claim, either they were wrong, something not unknown with doctors, or they were trying to steer away the crazy people who always show up claiming to have been bitten by widows even though they have no body to confirm the species. Last, widow spiders are among the least aggressive slash defensive spiders out there. Even if you go into a cobweb with egg sac, the female will run or curl up into a ball rather than defend the eggs. The only scenario you are likely to be bitten is if you are the aggressor intentionally or otherwise. For example, you might pick up a log or board the spider has anchored her web to and crush the spider and she bites you as a last defensive action. Another example, maybe you're just in the habit of smashing spiders and you get what you ask for. That all said, the description about the bites themselves is not entirely implausible, so I'll stop with the corrections on the off chance poster really has been bitten this many times and is simply uninformed as well as prone to hyperbole. Here's a peer-reviewed fact sheet on widow spiders and bites written by me with some photos contributed by board members. And there's a link to a paper about widow spiders that I will link to on the thread. So, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads. Have I? Oh, I have been bitten by a spider. I almost forgot about that. It was in my sleep, and I think I crushed it while I was sleeping. No, I did not receive any superpowers from it. That's always a common question with spider bites. I'm surprised it's not asked more on this Arachnoboards forum, but uh, my guests are not so concerned with being bitten by radioactive spiders. That kind of stuff only happens on universities anyway, university campuses. So, what do you think? I'm sure with a huge audience of this podcast, there's gotta be some spider freaks out there just who are like dying to talk about their spider love or their uh they're creepy crawly pets. I'm not judging. Uh, in fact, the gentleman, Lou Reed's listener and friend, James Arthur Fields, actually suggested this to me. And when I started to make fun of it, he revealed that he owns, I believe it was six tarantulas of his own, which I was horrified at, of course, because who owns spiders? <laughs> what have I owned? Fish. As a child. Gerbil. Natural causes. No, uh, no innuendo there, please. And cats, Afghan hound, terrible dog. For me, maybe you have a great Afghan hound. I am, I, you know, try to stay away from the blanket, the blanket descriptions of people these days. Because anytime you make any sort of blanket description, someone's like, well, not everybody, not everyone's like that. Like I could say, uh, all people who collect centipedes are uh, total freaks. Not necessarily. A couple of them are total freaks, but I'm just going to paint them with a broad brush. But I just said I wasn't going to do that anymore. So I'm going to back off on that statement. <laughs> anyway, so, oh, Please do not send me any party cups full of tarantulas. I do not require this as a gift. Or centipedes. Ugh. I mean, the pictures of the centipedes on that forum, I was just like, why would anyone have that in their house? I just don't understand. I guess some people. Some people like fluffy bunnies and some people like spindly, spindly things that have to murder other things to stay alive. I'm not judging on the murdering things. It's just like, that's the circle of life, right? Anyway. I don't know what else to say about these people and their spider affections other than uh, more power to you. Avoid those bites. Tarantula bites, apparently not so bad. Black Widow bites, also apparently not so bad. I think my uh, my, uh, girlfriend in high school told me that when she used to live in New Mexico, she used to encourage them to bite her, Black Widows, because they lived in her house, in order to get feverish so she wouldn't have to go to school. Rather clever use of the uh, spider period. <laughs> Spiders. If you ask me, I don't think I would go to those lengths. I would uh, I would just cry and beg not to go to school because I hadn't prepared for school. <laughs> this is a sad but true story. Yeah, anyway. So what else is new? Let's forget about spiders. Let's talk about you. What are you up to? It's almost 
middle of May, uh, the university that I work at is preparing to send off all the graduates to uh, this terrible job market. Yeah, you know, it's a tough time of year for me. I get kind of depressed every graduation because everyone else is going off to do their thing. And I am still working at the university and it is a downer. <laughs> oh, but then again, I'm not $120,000 in debt from going to grad school. So I guess I got that in my favor, which is a good thing. What else? What else? What else? Uh, last week I did some improv for the um, in Brooklyn, and it was a great two-person improv show, and we had a good time, and we're well received. Uh, it was the first longer improv thing I've done in a while. It felt pretty good, um, and I've been getting a lot of productive feedback on doing a live Lou Reed, so I'm getting closer to doing that somewhere in Brooklyn, New York, and or in Manhattan if I can get a place. To do it in. I'm sure there's somewhere. I'll do it on the trains. That's a bad idea. Go on the trains. Hey everybody, my name's Lou. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your train ride home, but I'm gonna read from you, read to you from the internet. Who wants to hear about spider bites? I don't think that would go over very well. I just don't want to have people telling me to shut up. And I'm afraid that's what would happen on the train. <laughs> Although, well, most people are all horribly homeless and sad. No one wants to talk to them. Certainly I turn my iPhone up. Turn my other podcasts that I listen to up when I oh. There's a homeless person coming through. A beggar. I shun you. Anyway, so that's good. Getting out of the house, doing stuff. I'm not a slave to my family. <laughs> oh, I wanted to thank everyone who's been sending in the photos still. Photos are still coming in, and that's great. And I've still been sending out magnets. The magnets are dwindling. I'm down to the, the last four or five magnets. So if you've been saying, like, oh, I don't know if I want a magnet, what would I use a magnet for? Maybe you have something that you need to, maybe you have, like, a note that you need to attach to your refrigerator. Or if you don't have a refrigerator, I don't know how that's possible. You have a refrigerator. Maybe it's made of wood. So nothing will stick to it. I accept that as your excuse for not wanting a magnet. And I started looking at other things I could give away. I just want to give things to people. Unfortunately, if you want to buy like something stupid like matchbooks, you have to buy like 2,000 matchbooks. That seems absurd in this day and age that I need to buy 2,000 matchbooks. I don't even know that many people who smoke. Yeah, to hang out at like barbecue pits or something. So I just sent out some magnets this week. I sent some, to, I've been sending them out to Texas. I sent some to Canada. I sent some to uh, the Netherlands. I sent some to Australia. All over the globe. We're taking this thing worldwide. So that's great. It's nice to hear from you folks. And I'm glad to see that you guys are enjoying the doodads and dumb crap I've been drawing on the envelopes. Each one is individual and unique. Um, if you go to the Facebook page, you can see that um, uh, some people are taking pictures of the, the uh, envelopes as well, which is always funny because I don't remember what I draw on those things <laughs> when you post them for me. I'm like, oh, right. I have no idea why I wrote that because it's usually like I get your response and I look up at something and I'm like, okay, uh, draw, write this, draw something. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And then my wife walks by and is like, why does this say I miss your sweet embrace don't tell your wife on the back of this envelope to the stranger that you don't know and i say that's what they want i hope i'm right <laughs> um anyway oh and then also last week i was i was in a video that may hopefully be shopped around i had a bit part in it not a major role but hopefully when it gets on the web i'll post it to lou reads and you guys can laugh at my overacting which is what i do so anyways I hope that uh, this podcast has found you well in good health and um, happy in every possible way that you can be happy as long as your happiness is not derived at the misery of others. I just can't condone that. I'm just going to have to leave it at this because I'm rambling now and I haven't had dinner yet. Without further ado. Oh, what do you think about a coffee cup? Would you drink out of a Lou Reed's coffee cup? I wish I could afford to buy those Goatsy coffee cups like the one that I have for everybody. Not that most people would drink coffee out of it like I do, but it's a dream that I have. <laughs> okay, now it's getting now I'm getting weird. All right, so that's gonna do it for this episode of Lou Reads the Arachnoboards for you. My name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet for you. We'll see you soon. Bye bye.